Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B podcast. We've been gone for a minute, but we are finally back. Ed, what's going on? I hear you're sick over there. Yeah, player, but you can't keep a good player down. I'm on the kind of the tail end of the flu, but it's all good. Doesn't matter. My voice is a little raspy, but I don't sound any worse than these dudes y'all listen to on the radio anyway. So give me a Grammy and call me a classic. <laughs> Not going to lie, I'm pretty congested uh, from the past week as well. I've been sick. So if I sound a little nasally like Heath Sweat, don't mind me. Excuse me? There is, well, speaking of classics, there are legit classics behind that nasally tone. <laughs> this is absolutely true. But, uh, Ed, I've got some good news for you. Um, I will, you know, we've had this conversation about soul food for the past couple of weeks, as you know. Um, Canada, or Vancouver, actually announced that they will be opening their very first Popeyes. Wait a minute. Y'all don't have Popeyes? We do not have Popeyes over here. So they will be opening one up. uh, I'm not sure when. I think later in the year. But I'll have my first bite of a biscuit. Well... (laughs) Can I say something that is going to infuriate 90% of our base? I okay. I love their sides, but I think Popeye's chicken is slightly overrated. I'm just saying, y'all. It's not bad. It's not trash. It's not at all trash. I'm not saying that. But it's just not as good as kind of people hype it up. It's kind of like 2018 Neo. Like, I like them, but I don't love them. I like the chicken, but I don't love it. Well, then what's considered good fried chicken? Now, the best fried chicken, I'm sure you aren't exposed to. There is a grocery chain down here in the South called Publix. Everybody who has just heard the name Publix Fried Chicken has just agreed with me. They have said, mm-hmm, because I don't know what it is, but their chicken is the best fried chicken I have ever had. Better than your grandma, better than your mama, better than Bojangles, better than Popeyes, better than anybody. I don't know what it is. Their chicken is fire. So you're telling me this uh, this fried chicken uses the same recipe that uh, Bobby Brown used on his fried chicken? Oh, now that's the kind of chicken we're talking. Now, why didn't we get that scene in the movie? I wanted to see a grown man fried chicken and cocaine. Like, that is must-see TV. Don't be mad at me, y'all. He said he did it. Don't don't get mad at me. This is true. Um, Ed, can we talk about this new Bobby Brown single? Uh, Our boy Soulchild wanted us to talk about it last episode. I don't think we got a chance to listen to it before we published it. But like Bobby... Written by Babyface, produced by Teddy Riley, from my understanding. That's an all-star lineup right there with, with uh, Bobby it's, Brown in the mix. Well, yeah, it's an all-star lineup, but I can't tell it on the song. Good Lord. I know that we are in the phase. We're just coming off of his his um, movie on BET. And because we are all cheap, we believe that everything Bobby's done is perfect. But this song is a big piece of hot garbage to me. It sounds like the theme song. For a Bobby Brown TV show. If there was a TV show coming out, this would be the theme song for it. So if you want to hear a 30-second theme song, okay, it works. But as a song, I am not feeling it at all. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. New edition. Do you like them more with Bobby Brown or Johnny Gill? Oh, well, please. I have been on record many times to say that my favorite, favorite, favorite era of New Edition is Johnny Gill. No question. Of course, and that should surprise no one. 
I have never been a big Bobby fan. And I know that you're going to be like biased. That's why you don't like that song. But don't get me wrong. Bobby has songs that I do like. I just, his biggest singles just never resonated with me. I don't like Roni. I don't like every little step. A lot of his big stuff, just not feeling. And I can recognize that he's a good artist. But this King of R&B stuff need to chill out. Yep. <laughs> uh, Shouts to Bobby Brown. Um, I want to get into some more new music here. I mean, we have a lot to go through. And uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. warn you guys, Ed is probably going to be furious at some of the music that came out. There might be some that he likes as well, but uh, you guys just have to stay tuned. But I know this is one that you actually like. Case, his new album, Therapy, which I'm going to say on record. And I was talking to um, an artist manager. Uh, I'm not going to say who. But when I showed him the album art, he thought it was like a nightclub after party flyer. I think that's what you said as well. Yeah, um, that's so the, exactly what I said. So the album cover looks kind of funky. Um, we know Case can sing, of course, and he's a good friend of ours on the podcast. He's been on the podcast. Heaven's Door, Ed, you really liked Heaven's Door as well. I really liked Heaven's Door. I need to go back and do a retrospective and kind of rank his albums because Case doesn't get enough credit for having such solid LPs. And this new record is yet another one that really goes into the catalog of great solid music. Across the board, very consistent listen. Nothing that really stands out as being really weak or sounding out of place. You know what you're getting when you get a case record, and this one is surprisingly solid. I really think it's one of the surprises of the year. And when we go back and revisit the year in December, this is one that's going to probably pop up and surprise people. But get on it now. I really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I took a quick listen to the album before I got on the podcast, and he's singing on this album. And, like, Case always has that. I don't. Is it aggressive? I don't know if, it, if aggressive is the right, right word, but he has that tone that makes you believe what he's saying. And um, yeah, I, same I get what you're saying. I don't know if I yeah. call it aggressive, but I definitely feel what you're saying. Yeah, he definitely Passion. has a very authoritative, passionate tone. Exactly. So shout out to Case. I'm still a little disappointed about that Teddy Riley and Tank track though, because uh, man, the mixing on that. I don't think it was much better on the album, was it? Well, it wasn't as noticeable, and I don't know if I just kind of got used to it as it was going through, but it didn't bother me that much, as much as it did as a standout single. But again, it's just a weird thing. I really wish that some of these artists would just kind of tighten that part up, player. It really takes away from the experience. But then again, maybe it's something that only people like us recognize, and maybe the average fan just doesn't even notice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember there was a record with Slim on there from 112. I thought that was pretty good as well. If I, mm-hmm. I have to go back and listen to it. But um, yeah, go support Case. I know he's pushed the album back a couple of times. I was actually surprised it came out Friday. I thought it was already out like twice before. <laughs> but uh, it's actually out, so go check it out. We'll probably get him back on the podcast once he's off the road with uh, RBG. Ed, give me the letters here. I, it's drawing a blank. Blair, I can't tell ABC123. I don't know what those brothers are called. It is BBD and Bobby Brown. That's what I call them. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, some more new music, Ed. Mariah Carey, she's telling you to get the F out. Oh, my gosh. I got something to get the F out with that single. Play Before I go in, I know you're a big Mariah stan. We've talked about your Mariah legacy on this podcast before. Yep. What did you think of this? Okay. 
Um, you know, I know you don't like the record. I think you've gone. No, you've I gone, don't. You've talked about it on the cipher. I actually enjoy the record for what it is, and the reason why I say this is she's playing within her 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 range vocally now because obviously she's not the same singer she was twenty years ago. But I felt like this record worked fine for what it was. Um, the chorus does get kind of annoying after a while, and the only thing that I was kind of disappointed about was the fact that uh, it was leading up to a bridge on that record, and a bridge just never happened. I guess bridges aren't cool in 2018. But I thought the song was fine. I know, you know, we always want to hear the We Belong Together's by Mariah, and I felt like she kind of overdid it with the last album. She had a couple of those records, and none of them popped off. I think the only record that did pop off was the Miguel song, but um, mm-hmm. I really didn't, re- I didn't have a problem with this one. It was a little Drake-ish at some point, but no complaints on my end, really. Well, player, and- you nailed it. It was a little Drake-ish. Here's the thing, like, and I, you have a point. Like, I don't want, and we talk about this a lot, I don't want our veterans to sound like they sounded in 1992. In 1994, I know that's when we fell in love with them. I know that's when we became fans, and I know we want us to kind of hold on to that sound forever. And it's not really fair for an artist to remain in that lane when music changes, and we talk about this here all the time. It kind of changes completely every decade or so. There's a new generation that comes in, and the sound changes. However, even still, I think that there are expectations for veterans and i don't want to hear a mariah record that sounds like the lyrics sound like they were taken from some 17 year old's facebook status like the lyrics are terrible the the actual vocals are just very sleepy and sluggish and again i know we're in this mood music era but you can still do that and bring the veteran know-how and talents that you have and kind of infuse it we saw that with um my girl Lettuce's album not that long ago. You can do it. You can follow trends and still stay true to you. This whole song just sounds straight up lazy to your boy. If the lyrics are weird, production's okay. I know everybody was like, "Oh, the beat's great." It's alright. It's not the worst thing I've heard, but the delivery is meh. It just sounds like she was bored singing it, and I'm bored listening to it. Well, Ed, I'm gonna go out on a limb. Because Mariah has had a number one hit in two separate decades already, in the 90s and in the 2000s. I think this is going to be the album where she comes back on top. And the reason why I say this, have you looked at her Instagram recently? She's lost a lot of weight. It looks like she's taking this comeback very, very seriously. And to add on to that, she had a performance at the uh, iHeartRadio Festival. She actually sounded pretty good there. So, Ed, I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to put some money on it. The next time I see you, we're going to go to Popeyes and if Mariah is number 1 with this album, she has a number 1 record, you're going to buy me some Popeyes. I want a two piece with some mashed potatoes. Oh my gosh. Well, you heard it here first. If she goes number 1, I will get you your ragged two piece. If she does not go number 1, which she ain't. Um, we shall see about that. I got to think of some humiliating stipulation for you. I have to think about that later but my point is i love mariah i wish her the best but if and you're right she has lost weight she looks like the old mariah but she gotta come harder than this because i know the lambs or whatever you call them like they'll stand over whatever but as far as reaching out to the masses 
I don't think this is a way to get them. Well, actually, I read, and it's a rumor, obviously, but allegedly her next single, because this is apparently just a buzz single, but her official single is going to feature um, your boy Drake. <sighs> so, number one, here we come. Well, you may be right. Now, will I like this song? Probably not. <laughs> well, we didn't discuss liking. We just talked about number one, so... There you go. You can be number one and still be hot garbage. Yep. <laughs> um, Indiari, that magic. Ed, you like this song? I did like this song. A lot of people have been asking, like, where is Indiari? Because she's been so so quiet. Where a lot of kind of her contemporaries have at least somewhat been up in the mainstream, or at least maybe doing road shows or something. She's been totally quiet. But, you know, I really like this song. Again, it sounds like India, but it sounds different. So it's if you're familiar with her sound and you're a fan of her stuff, I think you'll like it. But it doesn't sound like brown skin 2018. So good for her for kind of moving her sound forward, but still sounding like her. I was really, really digging this one. Yeah, India always comes with some solid records. What do you think an artist like this goes from here? I mean, she has that huge following. Um, do you expect that same quality of music from her, or is it are you just expecting another album? Like, what, how do you look at it now? I think that when it comes to India, you don't have to really be disappointed in the quality because even her quote unquote worst stuff is still pretty solid. So. I think that she'll just kind of give, judging by the single, kind of what she's always has, except put a, a new, unique spin on it. I don't know if this single, if we are talking about an album going forward, I don't know if this is going to be something that's kind of like an enigma or out of its order to ordinary, and then we'll get the regular, or if this is a sign of things to come. And if it is a sign of things to come, which is what I'm kind of assuming, I think it's a good direction because it sounds like her, it feels like her, but it feels fresh. Mariah need to be paying attention. <laughs> Actually, I think she just uh, she did announce that a new album is on the way as well. Oh, so that will up. be very exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, the album is going to be called Worthy. And let me see if there's a date on this. February 2019. Man, she's getting ahead of the game. See, and that's a good thing, too. Go ahead and start kind of getting your name out there and get it copping. I'm not mad at this. Exactly. Um, a couple more records I want to talk about with you, Ed. Um, can we talk about Seven Streeter's new song, Yearning? Features the Gap oh, Band. Oh, boy. That classic oh, we can. song, Yearning for Your Shout Love. Out. <laughs> Shout out to the Gap Band, because I was listening to this. I hadn't missed this song. Like I said, I'm in Lord New Weathers. So I've been catching up before the podcast. And Kyle was like, okay, Seven's got a new song. Check it out. Samples the Gap Band. The beat drops. So I'm like, okay. This is pretty all right. Then she starts rapping and cussing dudes out. I'm like, what is this? This is Cardi B or Seven Streeter. It is another song that just completely takes her out of her lane. I'm not feeling it. I love the production. If she was actually singing over it, she might have something. But I don't want her cussing dudes out. What is this? Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, Seven got, or she's no longer a part of Atlantic. Either she got dropped or she decided to leave. Um, we'll never know, but she's no longer on Atlantic. She's independent. 
which is kind of unfortunate because she did have a hit record on her debut album. Before I do, that was a hit. But, Ed, the question I have is, you know, historically, it's been proven for at least someone like Seven, it's her slow songs that end up doing well. So why does she continue to put these ratchet songs on the album? I mean, just release these ratchet songs. And then it's sad if you think about it because, number one, she's independent, so she chooses to release these songs. But Mm -hmm. number two, if you remember her EPs that she dropped earlier in her career, those were good EPs. And it kind of seems like she's just—it seems like she's just lost her ear for good songs. It again, player. I keep—I feel like I'm repeating the same thing over and over, but it's true. Again, as we see these artists stepping out of their lane, and in my opinion, looking for some mainstream. What's hot in the streets? Cardi B drip drip dripping. Like I can't turn on the TV without that Sprite commercial and Cardi B sounding like a fake Migos. So that's what we have to do for mainstream appeal. You're right. Her best song, like before I do, that's like the best song she's had in years. And that's kind of the song that stood out on her album, which again, wasn't that great and was a little disappointing, but it didn't get that next level mainstream appeal that she deserves. So what's she doing? I'm going to do what everybody else do. I'm going to get a hot sample. I'm going to talk like a 12th grader and I'm going to be ratchet up the ratchet and see where it Mm -hmm. goes. The problem with that, though, is number one, your core audience don't care. And number two, that audience is not really caring because they're too busy distracted by Cardi B. So you're kind of isolating yourself. You're in this middle ground hoping that along, you know, there's always an outlier because there's always a tank that somehow just like creeps his way onto the top. But for the most part, besides tank, I can't think of an instance where this worked. Yeah. That, that I think, was just a one-off. But, Ed, it's interesting when you think about it because just a couple of years ago, we were looking at Seven, Tanache, and Janae Aiko as the future stars of R&B, female R&B. And really, if you think about it, I think Janae is the only one that's, that's made it. And even though she's made it, it's on a much smaller scale. So it's just interesting to see how your opportunity... That window, it's very small, so you got to go for it, and you got to put out the right music, or you get lost in the shuffle very quickly. And it also, you know, adding to that, it also, because this is 2018, and we've talked about this a lot, it has to be, sadly, more than the music. Janae not only had the music, she had the social media push, she had the ties to Big Sean, and things like that that kind of helped keep her name in the spotlight, even when she wasn't releasing music. So it's not like she would drop an album because Janae has been pretty inconsistent, so to speak. So she'll drop an album and not put out any music for a couple of years. But she's still all in your timelines because of either a sister or whoever she's dating or she's got the collaborative projects. So she's still kind of out there. And I think that has helped. Unfortunately, with the Tanache's, oh, my gosh, that's a whole different conversation. That child so lost in the woods. And in seven, it's just so up and down. That when she finally does get a project out, it just doesn't resonate, no matter how good it is. Or, again, she does a Tanache route and kind of panders. It's very frustrating because all three are talented, but a lot of them just aren't doing what they do best. Yeah. Uh, Tanache will actually be on Dancing with the Stars uh, this upcoming season. I think that'll be an interesting way to get her name back out there. I, you know what? I, I know we, we criticize... 
artist for doing reality shows and these like contests but i think this is a good move for tanache it gets her name back out there she can definitely dance and um i mean she's got to try something because whatever she's doing right now isn't working yeah, I'm not mad at this move. I know I talked to Tom about it briefly, and he was like, rah, rah, rah. But I'm not mad because, number one, she can dance, and this is a way to get out there. The only thing that I question is the audience. I don't know if the audience for Dancing with the Stars is the same audience that would buy her music. I don't know. Like The only person I know that watches that show is like my mom, and my mom is not copping no Tanache out. So she won't, I don't know. She won't be blasting 2-1 the next time you visit? I guarantee you that she does not know what two on is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, a couple of other records that I want to quickly just mention here. Um, Sierra dropped a song called Dose, which actually sounds like a song from the mid-2000s. Uh, Ronnie Durst produced <laughs> it. I think it's actually like the, the theme song for some ESPN show. I don't know which one, but uh, that record was kind of cool. And then Mario, his album is coming out in October. Ed, I've waited 75 million years, but it's finally coming out. It's like um, Rita from the Power Rangers. She like escapes out of that little tunnel thing. <laughs> she and comes Mario out of the has... trash can on the moon and says, yep. now I'm free. Yeah, Mario is free now. He released this, the record Dancing Shadows. Um, we heard Drowning uh, a couple of months ago, and now we hear Dancing Shadows. Ed, I don't even like experimental R&B and this weird, moody, wavy thing, but I actually really like this song. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's Mario. Because it's Mario. Um, okay. It's funny, Mario's team sent us his album like months ago, so I was right. like, man, it feels like forever ago that I've heard this thing. And we've talked about it before, but just to refresh folks, and we'll kind of go into detail when the album drops. It is very experimental. There's nothing up there that sounds like Let Me Love You. But I'm not really mad at the direction. I think it's pretty, I do think there will be... Fans will be split. I think some will accept it. I think some will be like, we don't want to hear this. It's kind of like when Luke James' debut album dropped. And people are like, yeah. what is this? This isn't what I expected. But I'm not mad at the direction. I'm not mad at the growth. So we can see where we go from here. But I like that song. And I like several other songs from the album. So I'm very interested in our listeners checking it out and letting us know yeah. what they think. Because I think it's going to be one of those ones that's going to have a split audience. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then a couple of other projects that came out, Ed, I'm just going to throw the names out there. You can give me your two cents, and then we'll take it from there. Um, Estelle, have you listened to that one yet? Have not heard Estelle yet, unfortunately. That one dropped around the time I had planned to listen to it right when I got under the weather, so haven't checked her out yet. All right. Uh, Candace Springs, she's a good friend of ours on the site. Yes. Now, Candace, I have heard, and I was a huge fan of her debut. I think it was her debut LP. It was a couple years ago. It landed on my year-end list. And this one's pretty solid, too. If you're a fan of kind of the jazzy, Sade-ish um, kind of style album, I think you'll find a lot to like here. And then we have um, a member of Black Street 2. I, don't, I actually don't know even if he's still part of that group, but Lenny Harold. I think yes, Soul Child Lenny hooked you Harrell. up. Yes, he did. Um, this new album's called Cosmic, and he kind of reached out and was like, oh, you got to review this one, too. And, like, player, I'm sick. I can't review life right now. But I did have a chance to listen to it, and I was really impressed. It's one of those albums, again, like you said, he has that Black Street pedigree. So for most of our listeners and the style of R&B that they enjoy, I think they'll like this one because there's no auto-tune, there's no ratchet lyrics, 
it's kind of grown folks R&B, but it's still in that style and an evolution of kind of that Black Streets 90s sound. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't sound like New Jack Swing, Bruno Mars stuff, but it does sound like a evolution of that sound. So if you like that sound, I think you'll like Lenny. It's one of the albums in the past couple months that I feel like is really solid and might not get the attention that it deserves. So I, may, I wanted to make sure we shout that out here today. Yep. Um, shout outs to Lenny Harold. He's actually a good dude. Um, he's actually a good friend of Tom's, actually. Um, but, Ed, I've got some more news for you. Um, LMA, who I think at this point, and you can argue with me if you think I'm wrong, but she's essentially the face of R&B at this point. Uh, her debut album, much anticipated, October 12th. Boot Up came, came out, smashed the records. Um, I think it's like the number one or number two, like, longest streak on like the uh, R&B charts for uh, being a number one it's like tied with Mariah yep. Carey or something um, Trip is doing well as well it's I think it will probably match the success of boot up just looking at how it's moving up the charts and how fast it's going it, this is probably the right time to release it right Ed I think that if this is the time and honestly I would have done it before now if she was gonna move this is the time to move if it were me, and we've said this before in previous episodes, I would have made sure that album dropped before the end of the summer. I would have got it out by the end of August. So, the getting it out as soon as possible, I think we're going for October. So, good for her. It's still, if she continues that momentum and tripping, and, and while it doesn't have kind of like the social media buzz and just insanity that the original song had, I still think that it's, like you said, doing very well. This is the time to do it. Capitalize, strike while the iron's hot. Going to get them sales, sister. And, and you know, a lot of us were already familiar with LMA, so we know that the album's going to be strong. Even if she just pulled a bunch of junk from her old EPs, it would be pretty solid. So I have no question about the quality. I just wanted her to capitalize, and looks like they're finally doing it. So is she the face of R&B right now, Ed? Ugh. As much as I want to say no, you're right. Who else would it be? Who would be the face? I'm talking about mainstream R&B. Like, who right. would be the face right now? When I was talking to, um, I think I was talking to Soulja. I was talking to someone a couple of days ago about the best R&B albums of the year. Like, who is really hard for me? Oh, I remember what it was. Over on, and we'll talk about this later on. But over on Soul and Stereo, I've kind of recapped the 10 years that I've spent as a reviewer in the top R&B releases of that year. And when I got to 2018, I struggled to pick one because I'm like, what's the best R&B album of the year? Janelle Monet isn't really an R&B album, so I didn't want to pick that. So you got Tamia, you got Marsha, who comes out next week. Hers is very good. You got Lloyd. So it's just kind of like this weird level of, this is good, but there's no standout. So when it comes to the face of R&B... Who's had the most buzz? Who's got the most traction? Who's had the most celebrity and the most kind of articles written about them? It's got to be her. Tamia is probably a distant too, but it's got to be her. Yeah, I was going to say Tamia as well, but Tamia only really targets our demographic. Right. That urban AC crowd, urban's not messing with Tamia, unfortunately. But Ella May has, all across the board, she's been that girl, so... She is as crazy as it sounds. And again, I'm a fan, so I'm not hating on her for saying that. But I think she is the face of R&B in 2018. Insane. Well, her and Drake, I guess. Oh my <laughs> gosh, now you're trying to get slapped. 
All right, all right. Um, man, where do we go from here? Um, Nivea is making a comeback. Ed, she has a uh, reality TV show that's gonna air on uh, BET.com. I think it's like a series, but uh, Nivea's coming yes. back. Yes, you love very Nivea. strange. Um, and that's weird. Well, not say it's weird, but my point is, I was very surprised to hear this. So good for her. But yeah, Nivea's doing the thing, coming back and getting her name out there. She, she for some fans, kind of fell off the radar because she had a very strong, you know, respectable career and did nothing. But those of us who keep up with the tabloid, tabloids ugh, and the drama know that kind of her connection to Lil Wayne and some other things. So that woman definitely has a story to be told. So if you're in the reality TV, this one might be one to watch. And she's just an artist that I feel like deserves a second shot anyway, so good for Nivea. Well, she's in the press right now throwing shots at the Dream and Little Wayne, saying they're both uh, absent fathers or absent oh, fathers. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Listen, I am not surprised to do that in 2018. Like... Ugh, that's what we love, though. We love controversy, so I'm sure she'll throw these shots and then she'll throw a record on us real soon, too. Well, maybe once uh, Lil Wayne... I think Lil Wayne already released his album, right? No. That's so funny, too, because that album, everyone was a buzz. It's coming out this Friday. As of this recording, it is Sunday, and we ain't seen no album yet. Damn. I thought he was going to make some money and finally pay child support, but won't be happening. <laughs> Allegedly, not, I don't know if he does. <laughs> not today, player. All right. Um, I got a couple more topics to add here. Um, Tank, did you hear his rant on Instagram? I don't think it was it was even a rant, but he just made a he he posed a question to the people of social no, media. No, please. That's, this this sounds like one of those to, those Tyrese questions. So what is this? He said, "You know, I feel like I've reached all that I can with R and B." And it's limited. Should I start making pop music? Oh, yes. I did hear about this. You're right. I did hear this. Uh. You know what this is? This is this reminds me of, like, the kid that, like, goes to their parents to ask them a question. that They, they already have the answer in their head. But they're just going to for validation. So it's like, Mom, you know, I've been thinking... Should I decide to brush my teeth before I go to bed or shouldn't I? Because you know, Mom, I just don't. Look, player, you know you want to put out pop records because that one little song you had halfway blew up. So if that's what you want to do, do it. He's just putting this out here so he can say, well, I did it because my fans told me so. Because everybody's riding off of that When We record. And I keep telling y'all, I think that that When We bubble's going to burst. Well, Ed, Jennifer Lopez commented on that uh, post by Tank on Instagram. Oh, I didn't did. even know. I didn't even know J Lo followed Tank, but she said, "Do it, do it all, do all the genres." And Justin Timberlake responded, "I, I don't even know if Tank knows these knows these people. I had no idea, but apparently <laughs> Tank is hot in these streets." But Justin Timberlake replied with, "Let's get in the studio and do and do both type of types of music." Well, see, I agree with Justin. I have no problem with doing both. I've long said that it's okay for an artist to kind of spread their wings. But when you just ride a trend and that trend blows and now you want to ride that train until it falls off, 
it's going to become gimmicky very, very soon. Look, we all have issues with that most recent Justin Timberlake album. My wife finally listened to it for the first time like a month ago and was like, what is this? But at least he tried. So I'm not Mm -hmm. mad at you trying different genres. I was just mad at Tank because he kind of talked to, he kind of was like, oh, you R&B people don't like me and don't appreciate me. So I'm going to where I'm appreciated. The trap world. And it blew up. See, I told you. That's why I was like, all right, chill out, my dude. (laughs) So if he wants to do both, cool. But just remember where you came from, my dude. Yep. Uh, I can't wait to hear new music from Tank. It's been a, you know, he he dropped Savage and he only had like one single on it. So I guess he's moving on. Let me tell you about now. I know that Tank is y'all boy. And we have talked about this a million times. We love Tank around here. And I love Tank. However, let's look back at history, dog. How many times has Tank actually given us some heat in the past 10 years? It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. How It's been a long time since Sex, Love, and Pain Part 1. Mm-hmm. The last yep. like three or four albums were not hitting at all. So, yeah. I mean, one single out of like one album, that's not, uh-uh. I know yeah. we love them. I love Force of Nature. I love Sex, Love, and Pain Part 1. But it gets to a point where it's like, you got to give us some more if you want to keep that legacy up. This is true. Well, and no, this is, I, I, I forgot to start off with, Send all your hate tweets to E.T. Bowser on Twitter, because I know I'm about to get them. Dude, this feels like the Play a Please Award, and we're not even there yet. I know, we haven't even gotten there yet. I've been grouchy today. Blame the Sudafed. <laughs> all right, um, I got some more news for you, Ed. Uh, as you know, Lauren Hill is on tour right now for her uh, 20th year anniversary of the Miseducation of Lauren Hill album. You're aware of this, right? Oh, I'm more than aware of this. So, you know... A couple of weeks ago, we had that whole thing where she wrote like this huge essay to combat all the haters about her being late and you know <laughs> her being a legendary artist and we need to respect her. Um, so at some of her most recent concerts, she actually just uh, came to Vancouver, I think, last week. Uh, she was supposed to come with uh, the artist Santi Gold. You might be familiar with her. And I believe, I believe Nas was also supposed to be a part of that tour. Well, um, Santi Gold in particular found out that uh, she had been dropped from the tour with no notice uh, until she got an email randomly that said, uh, due to uh, production issues, uh, Santiago will no longer be able to participate at the Lauryn Hill concert. Wow. So, I don't know, Ed. I mean, you know what? I respect the essay. I'm sure it was all done in good intent, but actions speak louder than words. And uh, here is another... Another... You know, bad thing that happened with a Lauren Hill concert. Look, player, it's like I've said, and I was saying this not long ago about Drake, where a fan was talking about how every, it's not fair that everybody picks on Drake. Blah blah blah. Listen, if if everybody if everybody says somebody's a problem, then they're probably a problem. If everybody's saying that Lauren Hill is problematic to work with and this and that, everybody. And then we see instances like this. They're probably right. Like everybody can't be making this up. And now I and I know on the podcast I've kind of defended 
parts of the essay, which I did, because there are parts of her legacy. You've got to remember, there's a whole generation that knows only of Lauryn Hill as that lady who put out that one album that time that we said is great, but I've never heard. And all I know is that she's late to stuff. So, of course, her legacy is terrible to younger fans, but you can't discount how great that album was. You can't discount the work that she's done with the Fugees and how she kind of set the tone for artists like Rhapsody and some of the new generation of artists who are picking up her mantle. So, yeah, she's legendary, and that's kind of parts of the essay I agree with. However, the defending of the late stuff, the defending of pulling shady stuff on record on uh, on the road, stuff about her being in her element or whatever weirdness she uses excuses to kind of pull the rug out from under people. That's trash. I love you, Lauren, but it's trash. And you got to kind of, at some point, take responsibility. And for the rest of y'all, why y'all keep working for her? That's like I tell people who go to her shows. Why y'all still going to her show? You know she's going to be late. You know she's not going to get your money. You know she's going to kick you off the tour for no reason. Just keep it moving. And there you have it. Okay, let's get into the player please now, if we can. I feel like this whole episode has been full of player pleases. This is absolutely true, but I think I've got a couple up my sleeve. Are you ready? I'm ready. So earlier we talked about Popeye's chicken. Mm-hmm. And um, most recently, KC from Jodeci, from KC and JoJo. He had his uh, fair share of chicken at his oh, concert. Oh, no. I totally forgot about this. Please uh, describe this scene to all our people out there. <laughs> okay. I think I saw this on Instagram. I can't remember where I saw this. But, oh, my goodness. So, apparently, there's some concert. Casey is literally riding in on the shoulders of some guy. It's like Ashanti in the All Baby video when she riding on that elephant. It's just like that. So she's walk, he's walking in, some dude, and he's kind of like riding on his shoulders like a six-year-old at his dad, the zoo with his dad or something. Stumbles in. I can't even remember what song he was trying to sing. Trying to sing something. Walks by this woman who has like a, it's like this styrofoam container with chicken fingers. Stops and asks... For some chicken, she gives it to him, and he eats the chicken while singing whatever song it is. What have we become? Why are we eating chicken while, I was going to say walking to the stage, but he was too lazy to even do that. He was too lazy to walk and get his own food. Now, to be to his credit, this is KC, so it's probably the only meal he's had in weeks, but still... <laughs> This is the worst thing. Now, if that one, if he asked me for chicken, I would have thrown it at his forehead. Yo, I'm imagining that this concert was probably at a fair or like a carnival or something. Food ain't cheap over there. That's they overpriced that stuff. You know they do. It's like twenty dollars for for like six chicken fingers. And Ed, no sauce either. He ate it dry. <laughs> That's a problem. Dude. To be fair, I usually eat my chicken fingers dry too, but I also don't eat my chicken fingers while I'm at work, and I certainly don't eat my chicken fingers while I'm riding on my bodyguard's shoulders, and I steal it from some woman. He's literally taking candy from babies, taking chicken from women. 
Well, Ed, when you're Yang for 30 years, you're allowed to do that. Well, I hope he got some moisturizer for that throat because he was sounding a little raspy and that rough chicken ain't going to help. Oh, all right. Uh, play a please, number two, Ed. Your girl Beyonce, she's getting uh, sued for uh, doing witchcraft on her former drummer. And apparently, uh, through this dark magic, um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face, the ex-drummer is accusing her of taping you know, her phone conversations, controlling her finances, I think also accused her of like killing her pet. Ed, what are we doing here? Player, why do people think Beyonce had that much time in her life to focus all of her energies on some random band member? Like, she's got this much time to kill her pet and to control her life? What is going down? Now, I know that we call Beyonce black girl magic, but y'all taking this too far, dog. The thing is, y'all need to chill out with these Illuminati, hocus-pocus magic tricks. Let the child live. And if Beyonce did have this voodoo power, I wish she would use it for something else other than to just taunt some random band members. Y'all put more thought into what Beyonce is doing than I'm sure she does. Beyonce is trying to keep her head above water. She's not worried about what her random bandmates are doing. This is very true. Shouts to Beyonce, just don't haunt me. We love you. She had that song called Haunted, so maybe that's where this comes from. This is true. Actually, a couple of photos surfaced on the internet recently. One with her and Latoya Luckett and one with her and Latavia. So maybe a Destiny's Child reunion's on the way. I don't know, but it was good to see them all together. It was good to see them. And I know there's, again, a contingent of fans that don't even remember original Destiny's Child. But original Destiny's Child was tremendous, and it's still my favorite combination. So to see everybody back and happy and no drama was, it was kind of cool. Even as bitter as I can be, I thought that was a cool moment. Listen, I don't appreciate you uh, throwing shots at Michelle. (laughs) I know what you You were doing. You really want me to answer that with a straight face? I was trying to behave. No, you're good. I'm, All right, I'm already sick. I don't want the nose to put another curse on me with their voodoo dolls from down south. <laughs> yep. Uh, ready for the next? I got, Okay, I got a question for you, Ed. Yes. So I'm on the cipher right now, and it says, One Gotta Go. I'm going to name a couple of bands, and you tell me which one has got to go. Okay. We have Blackstreet, Silk, 112, H-Town, Toto, Jodeci, SWV, or Cisco? Wait a minute, what? Cisco? That's what it says on this meme. It has four members, but it says Cisco on it. Oh my god. Maybe <laughs> because Drew, Drew Player Hill's lineup is so screwed up that at this point the only member no one knows for sure is Cisco. So, poor Jazz. <laughs> Poor player members, poor Woody. I guess that Cisco is now Drew Hill. Y'all are terrible. Show respect yeah. to Nokio. Yep. <laughs> Listen, anyway, giving... the one must. No, hold on, gotta go, I got I'm giving a play a please to the person who created this meme because it looked good at first. Like all the pictures were aligned. You know, the coloring was right. It wasn't grainy at all. You know, they got most of the band members' names right except. Cisco and Drew Hill. Why Except is it Cisco? Cisco. Yeah. 
Oh my Come gosh. On. I mean, that is. Oh. That's like having a picture of New Edition and just saying Johnny. Although, I probably. If you see that meme, I probably did it. Yeah. Uh, but the real answer, and maybe you, you'll uh, have a different answer, but I think the one that's got to go is Total. What? No. H Town, and it's no question. Are you kidding me? Dino? That guy's a legend. Dino's. Oh my god, calm down. We're talking about Dino the singer, not Dino the Flintstone. But, no, H-Town has a couple joints, but literally a couple joints. Total may not have been vocal princesses, but they have more than their fair share of hits. Is there a hit from Total that's as big as uh, knocking them boots off? Mm, I think their first single was as big as that. But again, Mm. I don't like that song anyway, so. Oh, jeez. Can't forget about Part-Time Lover. That's a classic as well. Uh-huh. I can't forget about it. I'm, no. I, H-Town is fine. Like, I maybe the, my favorite song from them is the Between Love and Hate joint, which is just a remake. Like, they got a couple joints. And I like, um, they like it slow. But Total, even though their run was pretty short, had hits on hits on hits. So I can't hate on my girls. No this way I'm getting rid of them. Actually, yeah, you're right. I just looked at their discography. They had a couple. Had a couple of pretty good ones. Oh, more than a couple, young sir. All right. <laughs> uh, you're just a fan of the the Diddy Hitman banging beats. I I know you. Oh, of course I am. That was my generation's Neptunes. If you can get away with it, I can. All right. <laughs> um, Ed, you know we've gone on here and talked about so much new music, um, and you actually mentioned it earlier, and I think we have a little bit of time left, so. You actually compiled a list of the top 10 best R&B albums of the decade. You ranked, I guess you listed the best album from each year, 2008 up until now. Can we go through this right now? Because I've got things yeah, to say we about cer- this. Yeah, we certainly can. And to give a little bit of background for that, um, this summer, I kind of marked my 10th year as a reviewer here online so in commemoration of that i went back through the past 10 years that i've been doing what i do and picking out the best album from that year that still sticks with me and continues to kind of make a mark on me for that day and it was funny looking back because in that time especially for r&b not so much for hip-hop but for r&b it was such a tumultuous time because we were coming off of that kind of mid-2000s and all those artists, the Neos and the the um, Trey Songs and the Marios that we thought would kind of take things to the next level all kind of vanished. So there's this big void, and then we came upon the auto-tune era. So R&B got really weird around the time that I really started to find my voice on social media and in blogging. So this was it was really cool to look back and see where we were going from here to there. For sure. So I'm going through your list right now. Let's start out with 2008. And, you know, it doesn't have to be super detailed. It might get at some yeah. point. But 2008, you had Jasmine Sullivan, Fearless. Honorable mention was mm-hmm. Neo's Year of the Gentleman. I can't really argue with this one. I think you have this one. Um, you know, I think the two are pretty interchangeable personally. But you can't really go wrong with Jasmine's debut. That was a great album. It was a great album, and to me, when that album dropped, I thought that she was basically a star was born. Like, she was the next one up. And vocally, and she, that has been the case, and she's always been kind of like 
the People's Choice for R&B still hasn't hit that mainstream level that she deserves. But I thought that was a great coming out party. And speaking of the honorable mentions, I went really close back and forth with Neo and my boy Keith Sweat on this one. But Neo, I gave him the edge. So 2009, this one, um, I actually don't really agree with either choice. But oh, I know where you're going with this one. Oh, I don't know if you do, but because uh, it might surprise you. But Maxwell, Black Summer Nights nice was your pick. And Alicia Keys, The Element of Freedom, which I don't think I even like that album. But that was your honorable mention. Uh, why Maxwell on this one? Maxwell um, has, <clears throat> excuse me. This flu is sucks. Um, Maxwell, this was the first of his Black Summer's Night little kind of trilogy that still isn't done 10 years later. But I thought this was a very solid album that really, really, really stands the test of time. When I posted this list and a lot of people online were like, man, yes, that album still goes today. I think it's, looking back, it's kind of held up as one of his better albums. So I think it's a strong pick. Alicia is one of those albums by 2009. I know she was falling out of favor because she was doing a lot of pop stuff and people were getting kind of tired of her and she had personal stuff going on that people were turning on her. But to me, Element of Freedom is one of her more solid and underrated albums. All right, Ed, I got a couple of names here. I'm just going to throw them out there. Um, I know where you're going. um, The man was naked in his album cover. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, he cut off the braids the neighbors definitely knew his name after this he uh, also told you to say ah uh, Trey Song's Ready I think should have been mentioned on that Honor, honestly I had him as an honorable mention at first like just going because I did this list kind of by memory and then I went back to actually like check the dates and make sure things were okay so obviously I was like oh yeah but then when I saw the Alicia when I was like, eh, that's a slightly stronger album. I had to go with Alicia instead of Trey. And I love that Trey album. It's its best, but it's far from flawless. Mainly because you said Say Ah, and I hate that song. Yeah, LOL Smiley Face almost put it on number one. I see how it is. Oh my gosh. I do <laughs> like that song. Okay, um, and then a couple more. And I'm only saying this because this is when I actually gave a damn about R&B music. So I have a couple <laughs> more. Um... Latoya's debut, uh, not debut, her sophomore album, Lady Love. I remember really liking that album. I don't know why. Yeah, I really like that one, too. That's the one where it looks like she's stuck in a cage. Like, And I'm like, why you put a birdcage on your head, player? But no, yeah. I really like that album. Um, I do like her debut more, and I think her debut is super underrated. Sure. Uh, Genuine's A Man's... A Man's Thoughts. That was a personal favorite of mine in 2009. It wasn't like groundbreaking or groundbreaking or anything, but I just thought that was solid. And then I have, uh, what else do I have? Mariah Carey's Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel. I don't think you really liked that one, did you? No, that one, it's not bad, but that one's definitely kind of a lower tier Mariah album for me. I do like several of the singles, but an album overall, mm, not really feeling it. Although that album really does kind of hit me because that was one of the first albums I listened to when I moved to Birmingham. So that one has a place in the old heart. And then this one, uh, I wouldn't put it on the list, but I just it just came to mind because uh, he called it a classic on his Instagram the other day to celebrate it being like, I guess, 10 years now or close to 10 years, which is a pleasure P. I remember that being a pretty, <laughs> good, pretty good album. I wouldn't call it a classic by any stretch, but... Uh, 
I remember that being pretty good for what it was. No, that was actually that album was better than I expected. But no, and I had nowhere near the level of the two that I put on the list. Fair enough. Uh, we're now at 2010. Janelle Monet, the arch. What is it? The Arc Eight Android. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have uh, honorable mention: CeeLo Green, the Lady Killer. I think this one we probably uh, disagree on more than any of them on the list. I'm sure is, we will. This is completely uh, off or, or different than where I would have went. But uh, state your case. Okay, Janelle and Janelle, um, as we all know, I'm quite the Janelle stan. I feel like in this past decade, she has, although not gotten the props from even R&B fans, but let alone the mainstream. I think she's done a lot to advance the genre, and a lot of people, it's crazy, despite her level of fame and kind of Hollywood fame, there's a lot of fans who still have not heard a single album from this woman. And this album was very adventurous, very well done. Vocally, probably her peak. Really, really good stuff from this album. I can't say anything bad about it. Close to a five-star performance. CeeLo's album, most people, again, don't even know CeeLo as a singer. They just know him as the guy who does stuff on the TV show or a former rapper. This Lady Killer album, for people who have heard it, knows how incredible it is. It is an incredible soul album. And in fact, when I posted the list, a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, thank you for showing love to that album because it's one that just went under the radar because you see CeeLo Green, you don't think R&B, so you just pass it over. And that's kind of one thing that before you get into your um, picks that I want to kind of make plain about this list and kind of things going forward. It's weird if, you know, on the internet, we all have our opinions and that's cool, but it's always weird to me when people are like, I've never heard this album before. It sucks. Player, you've never heard it and it sucks. Chill out. If there's something new, especially in R&B where we're struggling for new solid material, check it out. You might think it's trash. You might find something new to love and enjoy. I did not plan to listen to Lenny Harold as soon as I did, but I checked him out. And I was like, hey, this is actually pretty solid. So get 45 minutes of your time and see what's up. But I'm not going to say, it's trash, because I've never heard it before. And there was a lot of standing that I've seen, and I, of course you've seen as well, in social media. So that always makes me chuckle. When people try to be experts, yet don't know what they're talking about. Makes a brother laugh. Right. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say 2010, Monica's Still Standing. I thought that was a good album. Ooh, player. That one, and I just went back and reviewed her um discography that album was okay like i didn't love it as much as i I, that was another album i loved the singles didn't love the overall package right just okay and then this one tom will be very proud that i mentioned this album because he was the one that actually told me to listen to it uh way back in the day el debarge Mm -hmm. second chance oh now that's a good one that's a good one i wouldn't i still wouldn't break my two here but that one definitely should be in contention. You talk about a good comeback album. That one was really good. Yep. Even had 50 Cent on a record. <laughs> and it wasn't bad. Like no, that, I, that album, I, I remember going, and again, this is, it changed to be, if you really love the genre, just check it out. Because you see Elder Barge, you're like, Elder Barge, oh my gosh, this can't be good. In 2010, 
Oh, he's from the 80s. But it was really solid. If you haven't heard that, go check it out now. It's real yep. good. Love um, that Faith song. Yeah, great song. Uh, 2011, Marsha, Late Nights and Early Mornings was your pick. Honorable mention, mm-hmm. Mary J, My Life. Ed, this was around the time that I started giving up on the genre. Um, but some solid choices from you there. Yep, Marsha to me was a no-brainer for that one for the year because it was just, man, so good. Um, Mar- Mary J kind of surprised me as honorable mention. I can't remember who I thought would be it because I had somebody else in that slot and I went back and changed it to Mary. But 2011 was one of those years that was kind of eh, but Marsha was definitely ahead of the pack. And I'm going to give uh, Mr. Tom Leo a shout out here. Uh, music's album from that year was actually pretty solid. I wouldn't put it on the list, but I just remember it being pretty good. Which one was that? Uh, music and the Magic. It's like a purple cover. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember that one. Okay. Uh, 2012. Yeah, Tom was here, he'd be screaming about it. Yep. 2012, when R&B went from being techno to being dark and depressing. And mm-hmm. the two picks you have are pretty dark and depressing. Uh, we have Miguel's Kaleidoscope Dream and Frank Ocean's Channel Orange. Um, I believe you made the right pick here with this Miguel album. That al- that album is a classic at this point, Ed. It, it You know, a lot of times we talk about like what makes a classic. I really think that you could make, of, the, of everything on the list, this R&B list, you could call it a classic. It's getting to that level because it has been one that has stood the test of time. It has become a career album for Miguel, who is kind of one of, again, an artist we thought would kind of be huge. He wasn't quite that big, but still one of the flagship artists for the genre and a sound that's kind of been mimicked going forward. A lot of this R&B noir and whatever made-up names y'all got now, a lot of that came from this album. So I think when it comes to setting trends, you want to call something a classic, I wouldn't be mad at calling this one a classic. I will say, though, I've gotten this year was probably one that I got the most contention about because it was a lot of whining and crying that I didn't have Frank Ocean as number one. I will tell you why I don't have Frank as number one. Because Frank's album is, I think, very good, but consistently overall, I thought Miguel was a consistent, stronger listen. Standing out of the way, I think Miguel's was a more consistent listen. So that's why Frank is an honorable mention. Yep. Um, I was going to mention Brandy's 211 album, but looking back at it now, I don't really like that album as much as I thought I did. I don't really go back and Mm -hmm. revisit it. Shout out to Brandy. No, a lot of people mention that too, and I'm like, y'all need to go back and listen to it because it's nowhere near the level of those two. Um, the one album that I will say though that maybe could have been in contention is Keisha Cole's Woman to Woman. I thought that was actually a really solid comeback album for her. I love that album. And it had this been another year, that definitely would have at least been an honorable mention, but this one was kind of on lock. It was just kind of these two and everybody else. So it was no way it was breaking that. But yes, I love that album. And yo, what about the Grammy-nominated uh, album Perfectly Imperfect by El Varner? Is that not making the list? Um, that wouldn't make my list unless I was having a top 400 albums of 2020. Oh, it was actually then a good album. It might come in number 398. It was actually a good album too, but you're just hitting. It was actually not. Oh, all right. 
2013, The Electric Lady by Janelle Monet is your top pick. Honorable mention mm-hmm. is Chrisette Michelle Better, which I probably would have put on as number one. But you have it as the honorable mention. Um, what do we have here? What's this Janelle Monet album all about? Well, this is another one of the ones where people were like, oh, I would have put Chrisette. Now, I haven't heard The Electric Lady, but Chrisette should have been number one. So wait a minute, player. You haven't heard it, but you're saying this album is better than an album you haven't heard. Please try again. But I love this album. Again, it's even more than the most previous album that we talked about. I feel like it's even stronger as far as an R&B release and kind of not as eclectic as kind of the first one. So I love the kind of dedication to 70s and 80s and 90s. It's really kind of a music history lesson because it encompasses all of that stuff. Very, very well put together album. Arguably, probably her best album so far. So that one to me had to be up there. Chrisette, loved that album. Love better. Chrisette, until this album, I kind of liked her a lot. But I didn't love her. This album, to me, is her best work. Made me love what she does. And then also shout out to Bilal's album, which I think came out in 2013 too. Because that one... Is another one that was a very, very close for an honorable mention as well. Yeah, and then I'm just looking. I totally forgot about how good 2013 was. Raheem Devon dropped an album that was it good. It was great. Uh, and, you know, even the pop artists, Ariana and Justin Timberlake, dropped solid albums. Uh, Beyonce's self-title was, like, the last Beyonce album I've liked. Um, Fantasia had a decent album. John Legend's album was, like, less boring than I remember. Uh, <laughs> K. Michelle had a solid album, her debut. Kelly Rowland. She did. It was a lot. It a lot. I'm just scrolling through here, but TGT, even though it's not what we thought it was going to be, it was not what it was hyped to be, it was still a pretty decent listen. And uh, Tamar, she dropped her album too, so man, that was a good year. It was a really, really good year. And I mean, I have Tom would have to say this for sure. This might be the year that I started working with you guys, yep, because a lot true. of those albums you named, I remember reviewing a lot of those, so... This may have been the year that the Soul and Stereo and You Know I Got Soul partnership went down and changed history. So, big year. This is true. This is absolutely true. Um, I know we're running short on time here, but let's try to finish this here. Uh, 20, yeah, we'll power through. 2014, you have Marsha. She's back on this. Friends and Lovers, which, you know, I think we all can easily say was one of the best, if not the best album of the year. Uh, honorable mention, you had the Tony Braxton and Babyface album, very grown R&B, um, and I don't mm-hmm. disagree, and obviously we've, you know, you've, we've been doing this podcast since then, if you really think about it, so uh, not a lot of surprises, um, let me just throw out a couple of albums here that maybe should have been in contention, I know Luke James you really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary, that one was a good one. Mary J, Think Like a Man soundtrack. I like that, and it's funny, and I was telling a friend of mine, um, actually it was one of our lead readers, check out um, my man Ryan, who I know you know, yep. over in the Cypher, he's a avid listener to the podcast, I was telling him about my run-ins with the Mary J. Blige fan contingent, and how one of them cussed me out, because when I reviewed the album, even though I gave it a four-star, very, very positive review, there was some song on it I didn't like. And she went off on me. How dare I question the queen? Because I didn't like this one song. And my reply was, Elfa, I gave her four stars. There's nothing you can complain about. Chill out. She didn't give me a response. <laughs> um, Janae had a solid album, her debut. Sold out. 
Mm-hmm. It was. Um... And there was something, I, I want to say there was something else in 2014, because I remember that honorable mention, I remember changing it to love, marriage, and divorce, because I had something else there. Well, I, I see, can't remember what it I was. I see Jagged. I don't think it was Jagged. Uh, no, it wasn't Jagged. Jay Holiday, which you should be careful right now, because he might show up on the podcast <laughs> and beat you down. <laughs> no, that's my boy, and I actually like that album a lot too. So, but it wasn't that. I can't blank on what it was, but there was something that was very close to beating Tony and Babyface with an honorable mention. The Michael Jackson album. What it was. That that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Like I really liked that album, but again, it leaned a little bit too popish. Yeah. So that's why I kind of let that one go. Exactly. Um, twenty fifteen here, Ed. Um, uh, to me, I love life. I. Don't really think we need to argue about that one, and I think you made the right call, Jasmine Sullivan reality show. Great picks there. Yep, I think some people wanted to flip flop those two, and honestly, I can't argue either way. So both of those are very stellar albums. So all good there. However, we're just gonna sit here and pretty and pretend that the number one album, Black Rose by Tyrese Gibson, doesn't exist. Oh my gosh. Now listen here, player. I love Black Rose, but Black Rose ain't better than either one of these two albums. He has to sit at a cool number three and go whine on Instagram about how everybody hates him and doesn't appreciate him. We love you, Tyrese, but you ain't better than these two albums. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, And then 2016, you had Bruno Mars. Um, And then honorable mention, you had King. Actually, you know what? You've talked about this King album for a lot, so we don't really have to get into that. And I think at this point, everyone on earth has listened to this Bruno Mars album. Um, What happened to Music Soulchild's Grammy-nominated album? What did happen to it? Ask Tom about that. I told you before that King and Bruno both got four and a half stars. Both of those flirted with five stars. Your boy ain't getting nowhere near close to that. But let me say this about 2016, because this was the most contentious year with a bunch of know-it-alls online, because everybody and their mama had their panties twisted up because there was an album that didn't get love. Can you, and you won't even, I will let you guess, which album did you think in 2016 I should have showed love to, and I slighted? it? You won't even guess it. I can't think of, well, I mean, the two that you named are, I think are correct, but no, I I can't. After seven, I don't know. <laughs> After seven, no, it was Frank Ocean's Blonde. Uh-oh. Let me tell y'all why Frank Ocean's Blonde was not on this list because Frank Ocean's Blonde is not an R and B album. It is a pop album, just like I said that I didn't put Michael on the list. It's a pop album, and even if I did, it's not better than either one of these two albums. So before you come at the king, you better not miss and know what you're talking about. That is a pop record, and neither of these albums are less than Blonde. So sit down. I'm actually there are a lot of Blonde standing on my page. Yo, Ed, I'm actually surprised you don't have Solange on this list. Yeah, now there was now you can make a case for Solange. There were some people that was like, man, no Solange and no Beyonce as well. Those were the two that people were saying. Again, both I like both albums. Neither were as good as this. You could make a Solange kind of call being better than King, but 2016, the running was too tight. Like, it was just... 
to a competition was too stiff. And again, Blonde was not better than anything we just named. So sit down, Frank Stans. <laughs> let the R&B dudes talk R&B and let y'all talk whatever that stuff is he puts out. Right. Um, 2017, we had Daniel Caesar's album, his debut. And then we had uh, Honorable Mention Avery Sunshine. 2064 um i think you got it right with this one i you know i could name albums here and there but really i don't think you were all you were off at all with those ones um i'm trying to think here and i daniel is number one kind of shocked me because i kind of forgot about that one until i went back and looked because i thought avery was number one but no daniel deserved to be number one 2017 was kind of an up and down year but both of those albums were strong well i mean if you um narrow that 45 song album by chris brown to 12 i think it's in contention i'm just saying (laughs) um you would think i am still that's the reason i have the flu today because that's residual effects of reviewing that horrific album and i think he'll drop another 45 song album like next month because that's what chris brown does yeah and my temperature will jump up another 400 degrees yep Um, okay, 2018 then. You have Jesse J's Rose as your top album of the year, followed by a bunch of different albums. But Jesse J, that's really your number one, huh? Well, no. And I've said this um, when you go to check out the post on the site, and I encourage everybody to do that. Can I kind of give a little bit more detail about why I picked these albums? Actually, Jesse J is more of a placeholder. The reason why I went with her is because when I compiled this list, it was right before we got Tamia, we got Lloyd, and I had just listened to Marsha, which drops next week, and we'll talk about her on the podcast next week. So we had all these albums come out, and I I couldn't fairly judge which one was better, because they were all so new, and I felt like I hadn't sat with them enough. So Jesse J kind of was there, honestly, by default, and that's not to say that it isn't good, because it is good, and it might prove to be better than those three. I don't know yet, but... It was just a little too early to say that those new three albums were better than her. So really, 2018, if you go check out the list, it'll say so far because it's a placeholder. Really, because it's a four-way tie between Tamia, Lloyd, Marsha, and Jesse. Jesse just happened to have seniority. Well, let me tell you, Ed, based on my theory of nakedness, uh, Jesse J also appears to be naked in this uh, album cover. So I think her and Lloyd are uh, at the top of the list for... Uh, Number one. Uh, but Lloyd is more naked. So judging by your ugh, raggedy scale, then Lloyd is automatically number one. Oh, I already told you that from the get-go. I didn't even need to look at the album did. cover. But I'm just saying. Uh, I don't think Tamia has the best album of the year. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, but Oh, we know. We know that. We also know how wrong you usually are. So we'll see about that in a couple months. Uh, Once I can fairly judge and all these have sat with me for a I while. don't think right now on the spot you can name three Tamiya songs on that album. Aside from the single. Well, there you go. I was about to say you're wrong, but you might be right. But no, that's the Sudafed talking. Because if it wasn't for that, I could tell you. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna hold I can't you. name really it. I can't ever name a Tamiya song that she has ever put out right now. Oh, jeez. I'm, gonna, I'm running on fumes. I'm going to hold you accountable for that next week. we gotta, we got to educate the people or at least just let them know that the album is not that good, Ed. Oh, my gosh. I'll be on my game next week. All right. So 
you know, we went through the list. What what else is going on with SoInStereo.com? I know you did a hip-hop list as well, right? Yeah, if you enjoyed this list, I also did a 10 best hip-hop list of the decade, which was way more controversial than the R&B list. I feel like the R&B list was pretty straightforward, but the hip-hop list had everybody in their feelings. So go check that one out, see what I picked and what I didn't pick and why people are still in my mentions whining about Kanye West. But we'll talk about that another time. Also, speaking of hip-hop, I also reviewed Lupe Fiasco's new album, Oh, Kyle, why does everybody want to put out these, like, hour and a half albums? Oh, good Lord, these albums are killing me. <laughs> so his new album was 25 tracks, 90 minutes. No, I think it was 100 minutes, actually. It is very long, but I break it down in my sick haze. I tell you what's good, what's not good. And the biggest question is, is anybody going to take the time to listen to these enormous albums that I am? That's really the big question with Lupe's album. And next week, by Friday, we'll also have, I'll post my review of Marsha's new album, NYLA, Nyla, her, it's named after her daughter, and again, one of the better R&B releases of the year. Kyle will probably disagree because she got clothes on, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, On my end, I'm going to Miguel's concert next week with uh, Division. That'll be fun. Um, Ed, here's a story for yes, you. Yes, you said his name right. I did get his name right. It's not Davison. I found out that. <laughs> or DBS, Ed. <laughs> but I'll tell you a funny story before we get out of here, Ed. Um, so I was at Miguel's last tour, the Warren Leisure tour, and yeah. uh, his opening act was his brother, uh, Nonchalant Savant. That's his name. Um, okay. I was backstage. I had just finished an interview with uh, the TD artist, Sir. I'm sure you're aware of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Miguel's brother was waiting in the back. And then after I was finished the interview with Sir, he came up to me and started talking to me. And I think he was trying to like hint at uh, getting an interview as well with me. Because, you know, he's an independent artist. He's trying to make a name for himself. And I kind of just said... Yeah, uh, he's trying to put on. He's trying to put on. And he was actually really cool. Uh, but I pretty much just said... Uh, and this is kind of like my way of escaping it. I was just like... You know, I'll get you next time that you're back. Well, Ed, <laughs> that next time is on Thursday, so we might get an interview with nonchalant savant. Oh, my God. See, this is how you put your foot in your mouth. But, I mean, hey, if you are the first one to get the nonchalant savant, I can't even say that, the nonchalant savant, and he blows up, just think that, you know, I Got Soul was the one that put him on. Yep. So this could be your chance. To put this nonchalant brother on. Exactly. And maybe even get to meet Miguel after. <laughs> oh my gosh, that makes it worse. It does. Uh, but Ed, that appears to be uh, it for this week. I'm not sure if we're going to be podcasting next week because uh, Tom's actually visiting Vancouver uh, next week. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going to be... I did not know Yeah, this. and we're going to... The first thing we're doing, Ed, we're going to Seattle to watch a Seattle Mariners game. Isn't that surprising? Oh my God! Well, of course, I am not surprised with that baseball head of yours. But um, yeah, that's that's what's up. Yeah. Now I feel all left out. Hey, we were actually talking about visiting uh, Kentucky next year, so we'll keep you in the loop for that. Well, if you go see my boys play, uh, I might have to drive up. It's about six hours away. It's a really easy drive, so yeah. I might have to come see y'all when that goes. Down. We'll just go play basketball at Victory Park. Oh my gosh. That's not a place to be playing. Apparently that's not a place to be playing basketball. 
<laughs> but <laughs> that I could is be wrong. not. That is not. You might see Bryson Tiller out there, though. All right. Sounds good. So, Ed, uh, that appears to be it for this week's podcast. I know it was a long one. You can go back to eating your chicken fingers with KC. Uh, I'm gonna go do some. Oh my I'm gonna gosh. go do some voodoo work with Beyonce. But um, oh, Ed, I b- forgot to tell you. I'm gonna announce this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when it actually comes out. But um, Ashanti's announced that she'll be dropping an EP at the end of the year. Guess who's producing it? Dare I ask who is producing this thing? Metro Boomin. Metro Boomin. This is gonna be the worst EP ever. And we're going to end the podcast with that. Uh, We'll talk about it next week, guys. But uh, everyone have a good week, and we are out of here. We out.